I would say a huge turning point for us was when we started automated pricing. We were leaving huge amounts of money on the table before we automated our pricing. So I would say to anyone who's just getting started, get Price Labs or some other you know pricing automation tool. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing pricing wise. And I mean, we left literally thousands of dollars on the table. And that's sort of what has finally turned the business around from you know, like barely having any cash flow to cash flowing pretty well. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here. As always, it's a wonderful day, and it's been a long day, actually. And this isn't even my last podcast for the day, but there I go, rambling, here with another amazing guest. We have Dana Boyd on the show, all the way from Northern California. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to to speak with you. Thanks so much for joining us. For our listeners who don't know who you are, give us a little bit of a background and who's Dana Boyd? Yeah, so I live in the Bay Area. I lived in San Francisco for about 18 years and I just moved to the North Bay. So happy to be out of the city, but I am a short-term real estate investor and I actually work in commercial real estate full-time as my W-2 job. So I've always been around real estate just as my actual job. And we just got started in short-term rental investing about a year ago. Very cool. So what have you been doing in the actual commercial real estate side of the business? So I am actually a property manager. I don't like to tell people I'm a property manager because as soon as they hear that, they think I am a residential real estate property manager. And that's definitely not what it is. It's a It's a whole other ballgame. So I manage commercial properties on behalf of landlords or agents who work with landlords. So I have a couple of high-rise buildings downtown that I manage. Gotcha. Like office, like office buildings. Exactly. Yeah. It's very much like a normal nine to five job. So in that sense, it's different than residential property management. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've basically been involved in real estate in some sense my whole career. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. It's really, you know, it gives you the exposure to the real estate markets and to know what's going on, especially in a place like San Francisco, where office, I'm sure, has has made some big changes over the past couple of years. I mean, right? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I've worked in commercial real estate my whole life, and I almost feel sort of silly that it took me as long as it did to realize that I am helping other people get incredibly wealthy in real estate. Why don't I do this for myself? So anyway, I don't know why it took so long to make that realization, but here we are and I'm happy it's finally moving forward. (laughs) Yeah. How did you make that realization? Like, where'd you find this out? Was it like a podcast or you met someone or where'd you... Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of was a combination of all of those things, meeting people, listening to different podcasts. I think the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back was actually during COVID. I sort of like to make a joke and say I have COVID to thank for my short-term rental investment strategy, but it was during, it was actually right as COVID was sort of hitting the United States that this 
realization that I had this realization. I had just had my first child at that time, my son. And so right as San Francisco was one of the first cities to lock down. So we locked down and it was like, everybody stopped going to work. Everybody that worked, you know, normal W2 jobs stopped going into the office. And at that time I was going in every day. And so, you know, I thought, okay, well, maybe my company will tell us to stop going in as well. They said we had to go in no matter what during the lockdown. And I was a little scared to go in because, you know, COVID was coming to the United States. This was before masks were even really a thing. And I told my company, I said, well, you know, I'm a little nervous to go in. I don't want to infect my son. He's just a baby. I'm also scared of COVID. You know, this was a long time ago. And they said, you have no choice. You have to come in. And so I just thought, you know what? I never want to have to be dependent on, you know, a W-2 job again. You know, it was also during that time sort of that we were on lockdown. So we had tons of free time, couldn't leave our house. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and sort of like everybody else, put two and two together. And I thought, you know, the true path to financial freedom is through real estate investing and not working at W2. And I just thought, you know, the way my company is treating me and, you know, sort of this realization, I just thought real estate investing is the path. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, like, that's one of the main things that he talks about, like, sort of right at the beginning of the book, right? When you're being treated in a way, or getting these kind of pushbacks from a job and just kind of to think outside the box and to realize that you have to take control of your own financial education, financial freedom, and not to be dependent on someone else, which the majority of the people are. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I am thankful for the jobs and, and the companies I have worked for, definitely. But just, you know, I think that fear mostly for, you know, my son, and this is before like anybody knew anything about COVID. I just thought, this is sure. not the way to ultimate financial freedom is relying on a company. Yeah, 100%. And so how did short-term rental specifically, I know that you guys bought a short-term rental, a cabin somewhere in Northern California. I don't even know where that is, but you'll have to maybe tell us about that and <laughs> how you found that. But how did you stumble upon that? Because I mean, real estate investing is vast. You know, There's so many different things you can do. Yeah. So it did actually take me some time to, you know, this was at the very beginning and I thought, okay, I just need to get a lay of the land. So I started listening to podcasts, reading books, talking to people, trying to have informational interviews, doing everything I can to sort of explore all the different avenues that one can go down. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think it just came down to what I saw as the cash flow that you could make. You know, I knew it was going to be a lot of work. And, you know, my husband and I are very busy as it is with our normal jobs. But I just thought, you know what, we will just have to grind it out. And, you know, with the cash flow, the cash return that you can make on short term rentals, I just thought this is going to be the best bang for our buck. And it really is. I mean, (laughs) I haven't seen many types of assets that cash flow in the way that short-term rentals do, I have yet to see anything like that. It's just incredible. Right. And the other thing is, I guess in the big picture, we're slightly older than some folks are when they start investing. You know, we're in our late 30s. And, you know, if I was in my early 20s, maybe I'd have more time to build up a portfolio of long-term rentals. But the one thing that we don't have, I would say, is time. So, you know, that was the other thing that we took into consideration. Right. But it still does take time. I mean, it's not passive, right? Meaning running a Airbnb or whatever it is that you're doing. I'm sure setting it up took some time, but also running it on a weekly or daily basis. That does take time, right? It takes a lot of time. I guess I thought I could scale more quickly with short-term rentals. But right. I mean, the time it takes to operate them, it, yeah, is definitely not passive. I mean, I have two jobs now. So, you know, right. there's that. 
I mean, I've heard from a lot of short-term rental investors that they're, you know, they automate as much as possible, you know, from the messaging to, you know, the dealing with the cleaners and all that kind of stuff, like so much can be automated, but still I'm sure there's a lot of monitoring and just a lot of involvement. There's always going to be involvement. And, you know, we've tried to automate as much as we possibly can. And that's been a huge learning curve as well. And it's helped. I mean, it's helped us automate the processes, but there's just always going to be an aspect of it where you have to communicate with guests and no machine can answer for you in the way that you want it to. Yeah. So tell me more about this place that you guys actually have. Like, where exactly is that? Yeah. So I guess if you're from Northern California, you probably have you maybe have heard of it. If you're not, you definitely haven't. Right. It's called Pinecrest, California. The town that it's closest to that folks might have heard of is, I would say, well, it's an hour outside of Yosemite. Okay. If you've heard of it, a little town called Sonora, it's close to Sonora. People go there who are either going to this small ski area that's close to Pinecrest, or they're going to Yosemite and they're just, you know, staying a bit outside of the valley. Gotcha. So it's more of kind of like vacation like really vacation spot, people taking a time off. It's a true vacation spot. And a lot of the other houses that are there are short-term rentals. That's part of the reason why we picked the area. Also, because I thought, okay, if our neighbors are doing short-term rentals, hopefully they won't be you know, annoyed of us when we right. start having guests come by. And it's one of those areas that is heavily dependent on its short-term rental market for you know business in the town. So that was the other reason why we picked it. There's a a mountain close by where people do skiing and snowboarding in the winter. And then there's also a lake that people use in the summer. So that's another reason why we picked it is because I thought, okay, we can capture both ends of the market here, not only summer or winter, but, you know, a Mm. summer and winter area. Right. And it's close enough. I'm sure that you guys visit yourselves, I would assume. It's about three hours from here. That was another consideration. You know, we thought, okay, for our first time, I can't, I don't want to do this someplace, you know, across on the other side of the United States. I just felt more comfortable. We could have the ability to drive there if we needed to. That was important to us. And we did spend a lot of time driving up there. So yeah, it's about three hours from here. Okay, cool. Everybody go visit Pinecrest. (laughs) It's a great area. (laughs) Yeah, we'll put the link to your Airbnb in the the show notes. So everyone can check it out if anyone's up in Northern California. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's an awesome lodge. It's a three bedroom, two and a half bath, large cabin with a hot tub and all kinds of cool stuff. Very cool. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind like sharing, because I know I'm sure you've learned a tremendous amount over the past year or two since you got started in this. Like what are some of those things that like someone who is starting out like myself, I'm personally like looking at short-term rentals and trying to find my way, but I know it's challenging to kind of get over some of those humps and find the right market and find the right property. And, but really more than anything, learning the processes that come along with it. I mean, are there any ways to kind of get over those learning curves or you just have to go through it? and figure out what works? I think you just kind of have to go through it and figure out what works. I mean, I would say a huge turning point for us was when we started automated pricing. We were leaving huge amounts of money on the table before we automated our pricing. So I would say to anyone who's just getting started, get Price Labs or some other you know pricing automation tool. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing pricing-wise. And I mean, we left literally thousands of dollars on the table. And that's sort of what has finally turned the business around from, you know, like barely having any cash flow to cash flowing pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's little things like that, like little tools that you learn along the way, like price labs and getting, you know, different market data or just getting the right type of 
messaging templates, right? So you can message your guests when they go in, yeah. when they go out, when they check in, when they check out, all that kind of stuff. And these are all things that, yeah, I mean, you just, you do kind of have to learn along the way. And I mean, it did take us a good, I would say six months until I felt like the place was really up and running. I mean, we haven't even been through a full year yet. And it has really only been the past couple of months that I feel like it's turned around. So all in all, I think it will probably take a full year until it's truly up and running, automated on its own. So, you know, I think it just takes some time. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you part of like any of these groups or Facebook groups or like masterminds that talk about short-term rentals all the time? Yeah, I'm part of a couple of Facebook groups, you know, short-term rental Facebook group. You know, I am always trying to get involved in bigger pockets, things like that. I just try to follow a lot of the groups, go to different meetups around the Bay Area for real estate investors. Anything I can do to network, I try to do because I figure it can't hurt. Absolutely. And there's so much to learn also from those groups, just like little things people do with their guests and stuff like that. So is the plan to scale, like get another property, get another two, keep doing this and then be able to have enough cash flow to live off of? Yeah, that is the plan. You know, keep going, get another property. I don't know if I would do one again in California here. For the next one, we're thinking about looking out of state. It's going to be a little bit harder just, you know, with our jobs and my son and how to do that. But we're thinking about either just biting the bullet and going for it or looking for a partner and trying to partner with someone and make that happen because we are thinking about going all the way out into the East Coast, into the Smoky Mountains. Mm. Yeah, that's a great area. It has become a little bit oversaturated. I would say the Smoky Mountains, it's still extremely popular. Yeah. But I'm sure as you know, it's just so many people out there. Yeah. So many people out there. But I think, you know, they go out there for a reason. I think it's a great area, a great market. You know, might it be a little too late even? Maybe. But I don't know. Maybe get in now for the for it gets even more saturated. So we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. The one good, potentially good news about that is that there are some people out there that have bought, you know, really excited about getting into short-term rentals, but don't really know what they're doing. And unfortunately now at this time of the market, when occupancy has gone down a little bit, I mean, not as much as I think people projected just based on recession, whatever people talking and stuff, I've seen occupancy go down a little bit. And so some people who are getting nervous may be willing to sell their properties because they're just like, hmm, I got to get out of this. I'm not really, it's not doing as well as I thought it would. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm hoping that, you know, with this recession fears coming a little bit, you know, that folks will get skittish, want to get rid of their properties and, you know, we'd be happy to take it off their hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> hopefully, you know, it's about finding the right opportunity, right. finding exactly. the right owners. But hopefully, opportunity knocks. You know, you see stuff go back up on the MLS, and right. it's always opportunities. Just keep your eyes out. But that's interesting. I mean, I think having a partner will help you to scale faster for sure. I guess it's the question of you know you have to find a partner that has you know the similar goals, but also can complement different skill sets that you have. You know, right. The short term, there's so much that you can automate, but at the same time, you know, there's still different responsibilities that go in there. So finding someone that can do that together seems like you can do it. I mean, I definitely know people that do it with partnerships. So why not? Yeah. I mean, I've heard pros and cons of partnerships. You know, obviously when you have a partner, you're getting half of the profit. So it's like, okay, there you go. You know, half of your profit is gone. But if you just, I don't know, maybe some folks have more time than others, you know, there's that aspect of it, maybe it would work for someone like us. And then again, you know, we're just not physically close to the area. 
So maybe somebody who is closer, I think it would be best to try to find a partner in person. So we want to continue to go to different meetups, you know, even if it means going to meetups, you know, in different places in the United States, trying to find someone who we connect with, we feel comfortable with, who is also, you know, someone who's also looking for a partner and trying it that way. I mean, there's also tons of these Zoom like meetups going on. Like we, I host a meetup every week, every Wednesday for uh, not specifically the short term. And then we have that, we've had that topic come up. We have speakers every single week. So that's something that, and there are many, many others like that. I know Alex Sabio, I don't know if you've come across him. He's in Southern California and has an incredible meetup specifically geared towards healthcare professionals because that's what he is. But I'd say they talk about short-term rentals, you know, half the time because that's what his specialty is. Mm. And he owns probably like, I think like five properties in the Smoky Mountains and Florida and stuff like that. So it's definitely doable Mm -hmm. to do it remotely and to find partners like that. But I would, you know, suggest just looking on those Facebook groups. They got the short-term shop, right? The short-term wealth long short term was it short term rental long term rentals long term rental yeah Avery Carl yeah <laughs> it's amazing i think that's awesome yeah. have you explored other asset classes though besides for short term rentals in terms of like passively investing or actively investing of any other types of things well you know it's funny because short term rentals was actually not what i wanted to do it is not what i wanted to start out doing my i guess when i sort of had this whole idea in the beginning that we were going to start investing in real estate i thought multifamily is the way to go. Like multifamily is the true mm-hmm. investing class that I want to pursue. And it just ended up happening that way. So, you know, maybe one day once we, I don't know, get our short-term rental portfolio in a good place, have built up more capital, maybe we can pursue multifamily, but it just kind of ended up being the short-term being the one that we, the path that we went down. Always have multifamily in the back of my mind though. So still just going to think about that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And listen, there's, there are still opportunities, you know, keep it there. Keep it not too far back because you never know when opportunity will come your way. There's a lot of people right. out there who are in your situation or doing that also and finding ways to, to invest either passively or maybe, maybe, you know, you know, some of your colleagues or friends, you know, in your community that want to invest and you can raise capital from them. It's a whole different kind of mindset, but it's definitely right. something that I've seen people do. Right. Well, and I know Avery Carl has said that she invests in short-term rentals in order to do long-term rentals. So that's kind mm-hmm. of something I've always had in the back of my mind. And right. yeah, I mean, it would be a whole other skill set to, you know, to learn and, you know, just a lot of a lot more research to do. So one thing at a time. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, have you seen, have you found any of your, you know, experience through the commercial management of the office building, things like that? Has that been helpful towards running your short-term rental business? It actually has very helpful because a lot of my, what I do on a day-to-day basis is managing our tenants and manage, what I do is manage tenants and manage the financials of the properties. So I'm essentially doing the exact same thing in short-term rentals. And, you know, that was another consideration that I had. I thought, okay, I do this every day for a living. There's no reason I can't do it, you know, on a day-to-day basis for my own properties. So it definitely comes, has been handy. And yeah, I mean, a lot of the same skill sets transfer over. I think it's really important to think about it. A lot of people may be listening to this and thinking, well, I can't get into short term. I can't get into this. I can't do that. And we always have these things kind of holding us back. But at the same time, if you look at what you're doing now, and so many of those skill sets can be transferable into real estate investing, 
you just have to kind of sit down and say, okay, what are the things that I'm good at? What are these things? And believe it or not, many of the things that most of us do all day are transferable to you know starting our own real estate business. And yes, it is a business. It is something that is going to take time. And you have to treat it like a business if you want it to be successful. So it's not just kind of like a one-off thing and okay, I'll, I'll buy a property and I'll manage it and you know, be kind of like a side hustle. Yes and no, but I think if you want to treat it like a business and have it successful like a business can be and grow in that way, you really have to treat it that way. Yeah. And I mean, you're anyone's skill sets can definitely transfer over. I mean, you know, do you work with numbers on a at work? Yes. Okay. Well, you're going to be working with numbers too. You know, you're going to be analyzing properties. Do you manage projects? Well, you're definitely going to be managing your project, getting it started up. Do you work in hospitality? Well, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Do you work with clients? It's the same thing. So there's so many skill sets that can be transferred over. Yeah. And I think it's just about, you know, not letting that fear hold you back and just going for it. Awesome. Well, you're definitely speaking my language there. I'm taking it in because like I said, I've been looking and I've been kind of holding myself back. I just got too many things going on for me currently, but it's definitely something I've been looking at getting into. So appreciate the encouragement and kind of your perspective because hearing from different people really just allows you to think about it in a different way. Definitely. Awesome. Well, Dana, I want to transition now. We call the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. First question, what is the worst job that you ever had? (laughs) Well, I can answer this one immediately. I would say the worst job I ever had was when I had to sell cotton candy at the fair which was like a six week long fair down in San Diego. And I was the cotton candy vendor for almost the entire summer. (laughs) I will say that, you know, this is when I was like, I don't know, 13 years old. I will say that I think it gave me a sense of confidence that just sort of, you know, I've kept my entire life. So it wasn't a good job. It also wasn't a terrible job for, you know, the lessons that it did bring me, but wasn't too fun standing in the sun for eight hours a day, slinging cotton candy at the fair. No way. For <laughs> sure. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't have like a tent or something for you to stand under an umbrella? There was like a little umbrella that barely had any coverage and, you know, somehow I made it through. Wow. Well, good for you. A life lesson learned there. Definitely. Second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? I would say, and I know everybody says this, but I'm going to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, I think it's, you know, the book that I know every single other person says, but it truly did. There was that paradigm shift after I read it and I have just never looked back since. And I would recommend to anyone, if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it'll change your life. 100%. You know, there's been pretty much, like you said, pretty much everyone. It's funny because a lot of people answer that and a lot of people answer in that way as well. But it's so true. It really is for most people. The funny thing is one of the most listened to episodes of the Weiss Advice podcast was an episode where we had Omar Khan on the show. And he's a very successful real estate invest, multifamily real estate invest, syndicator, investor, and he literally had a segment on it when I asked him this question. He's like, it's not reached out for dad. And basically he said like reading that book made him dumber. That was like the quote of the episode, <laughs> which almost no one agrees with, but it was great clickbait to kind of marketing to use that as, because that made a lot of people listen to it. And if you haven't listened to it, it's good to hear his perspective on it. I guess he came from a much, you know, much greater financial 
background and kind of knew all that stuff growing up. And so it wasn't like new to him. And so it was like, mm. that was his perspective on it. Anyways, I agree with you. And I still like, like Omar, regardless of his opinion on the book. So I mean, I would say the biggest mistake that anyone can make with Rich Dad Poor Dad is not reading it sooner. I was almost mad at myself after reading it that I didn't pick it up sooner because I had heard of it a long time ago and I just never actually wow. read it. So I am, that is what I would say that I wish I had read it sooner. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Third question. What's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I would say I would like to be better at public speaking or try to take the fear out of public speaking because, you know, if we're going to try to eventually raise capital, find a partner, you know, what have you. I think that's a skill set that's going to be valuable at some point. So yeah, taking the fear away from public speaking. So need to read a couple books on that. Well, yeah, good for you. And, you know, just between me and you and everyone that's listening to this, <laughs> you're doing a great job on this podcast. I don't know how many of these you've done, but I think when you look at you know, public speaking, just like that, just being yourself and trying to give over, you know, concepts that resonate with you and are important to you. Other people will listen and other people will, you know, take that in. So I think you're well on your way. I hope so. <laughs> and fourth and final question, what does success mean to you? You know, now that I've had a child and, you know, have started our family, I would say that success, I know it's financial freedom, you know, in a way that a lot of people think about it is just being able to do what you want with your time. But that truly does resonate with me too. Now that I have a son, which is that, you know, if I want to take the day off and spend the whole day with him and not have to, you know, rush into work and be there by 830. That's what success would be to me is being able to spend my time how I want it with my family and not being reliant on a W2 job to make that happen. That would be true success in my mind. Awesome. Sounds like you're well on your way. To getting there. So oh, we're going to keep plugging along. Fingers crossed. Yeah. One property at a time. That's really the, the goal. Make that passive income, be able to pay for all your expenses and truly live the dream. So good luck to you on that journey and a really great catching up with you today. And where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Our listeners can find me on Instagram. I'm at STR Investor Dana. And yeah, look for me on Instagram. Very cool. We will put that in the show notes and hope you guys check her out there and check out their property in Northern California. If you want to get that, we'll try to put that Airbnb link in the notes as well. That's going to be a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. And thank you again for joining me today, Dana. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Awesome. And to our listeners, thank you guys for joining us once again to the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.